Lord, my soul glorifies you. I am your servant. The angel said, I will give birth to a son, and his name will be Jesus, for he is the Holy One, your own son. So now I'm bursting with joy over the good news, and I'm dancing to the song of your salvation. I'm humble before you, and I'm truly blessed. I am the most fortunate woman on the earth. What you have done for me will never be forgotten. You are the mighty God. You do great things. You show great mercy from generation to generation to all those who honor you. Your mighty arm has done tremendous things. You fill the hungry with good things. Lord, you have embraced your children. You never forget us. You pile on your mercies. You pile them high. It's exactly as you promised, beginning with Abraham right up to now. Lord, I am your servant. And even when I don't understand how this all comes to be, I praise you, for nothing is impossible with you. It was not a silent night There was blood on the ground You could hear a woman cry In the alleyway that night On the streets of Davidtown And the stable was not clean And the cobblestones were cold And little Mary full of grace With the tears upon her face Had no mother's hand to hold It was a labor of pain Was a cold sky above But for the girl on the ground in the dark, every beat of her beautiful heart was a labor of love. Noble Joseph by her side, calloused hands and weary eyes. There were no midwives to be found on the streets of Davidstown in the middle of the night. So he held her and he prayed, shafts of moonlight on his face. But the baby in her womb, he was the maker of the moon. He was the author of the faith that could make the mountains move. 
streets of Davidson Would you please stand with us as we continue in worship this evening?
our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has been born and he's alive. Amen? I praise God that you have been faithful tonight to pursue Christ, to honor him, to worship him. We are so excited that you've joined us tonight. I pray that this is a cherished Christmas tradition. Not just that you come here to this building, not just that you light a candle in a moment, but, but that you take time to slow down and celebrate the wonderful gift of Jesus. Most of us have grown up with a special Christmas tradition, I would guess. How many of you, uh, just uh, to kind of uh, get a sense of the room, how many of you had like a stocking that was hung maybe in your name at some point in your life? Or maybe you hung stockings for other people? Uh, I find it interesting that stockings, whenever I was a small boy, had often like fruit or nuts and maybe one gift. And today, man, they're, they're a full-blown Christmas within themselves, you know? That tradition kind of has changed over the years a little bit. How many of you ever put out milk and cookies on Christmas? Yeah, very common. Or how about reading the Christmas story? What a great joy often these special Christmas traditions can be. However, some Christmas traditions can seem a little strange, at least to others around us. We don't think they're strange until our friends say, those things that you do are strange. I don't know how many of you know that you do some strange things. Uh, admit if you realize you've got some strange traditions. Okay, No one's very bold to do that for you. This week I ask uh, some of my friends, hey, what are some things that, that you've learned aren't the normal traditions everyone does? How about these? Just a little strange. I know a few of you will have oyster stew sometime this season. Anybody have oyster stew? Okay, a couple. I never knew that. I'm interested in that, but I'm not sure. Um, how about this? How many of you uh, have ham salad sandwiches sometime over Christmas? Okay, there's a few families. I know that's a big tradition. There's at least one family that hides little rubber ducks all over their house, and then they, they search for them all over Christmas. Is anyone here that does that? Now, that seems strange. But I find that very interesting. I think it's just amazing that they do that. Honestly, no matter how strange we may think some of these things are, it's probably not any stranger than millions of us over the next few hours will hide, put out milk and cookies for the big guy to, to consume and then get in and out of our houses through a chimney. Doesn't that just sound weird that we do that? Or, you know, Just a little strange. Traditions are fun, though. New ones come and old ones fade away. Nowadays, a very common tradition is Elf on a Shelf. Anybody ever have seen the Elf on the Shelf? Okay, it's a, it's a newer one. It, it's um, this idea that the elf will come and spend time, usually the whole month of December, with the family. And it kind of monitors the family. Uh, just this week, an elf in Bond County was spotted uh, uh, wrapping, though, the, the family's toilet and wrapping paper that sometimes the elves do mischievous things when they're supposed to be watching for bad things to happen because the premise is the elf is there to promote good behavior the idea is that if the elf sees anyone in your house being bad it flies off of the shelf into the north pole to tell santa everything that's going on to make things uh, right so the the christmas gifts would be proper i never knew the joy of having an elf on the shelf growing up I just didn't. My dad used a different tool to promote good behavior. It was called the uh, belt on the shelf. <laughs> and if my brother and I were bad, the belt flew off the shelf and Santa didn't even have to find out about it. It was taken care of. You may have had that Christmas tradition, right? Christmas traditions are fun. The best ones, though, the best ones, don't have anything to do with elves, even as good as Buddy. 
or Santa, the best ones remind us of Jesus and his birthday, that he came to be with us, God with us, Emmanuel. Uh, the, the, the traditions of a, a nativity set. Man, I'm drawn to those. I go into a house, and, and I love checking them out, uh, no matter what kind they are, no matter how developed they are. Uh, but when you see Mary and Joseph and, and some of the, the sheep around, maybe a cow and, and the angels and the star, and, and just that whole scene draws me in. Just this week, I was to a, a family's house, and they have an activity set up. And their tradition was, and I love this, the set was all set up all of December. And for some people, the strange, they set them up like October 1st. That's a whole other story. But this set was set up, but Jesus had not yet been placed in the manger. Their tradition was to place Jesus there on Christmas Day. What a great tradition. Or how about Advent calendars? Daily loves her Advent calendar hanging on her door. It's the first thing she does every morning. To read another scripture that points her to Jesus. I love that. Or how about a Jesus birthday cake? Uh, last week we celebrated Christmas with my Graber side of the family in southern Indiana, and I, we, we had a birthday cake for Jesus that says, happy birthday, Jesus. I'd already cut in the cake. I just love the fact Jesus' favorite cake is my favorite, red velvet. It's just, just a good thing that we've got going, a tradition. Or how about singing Christmas carols or singing happy birthday on December 25th? It doesn't take long as a child to know what day Christmas is, December 25th. It's burned into our hearts and our minds. And for years, that was the, the most joyous day of the year for me. It was the day that was most important for me. Don't we love to know that our children remember Gen uh, December 25th? It's a beautiful thing. Did you know, though, that we don't really know the exact day Jesus was born? Most of you have probably heard that before. I mean, we're probably close. Technically speaking, uh, I guess we have a 1 in 365 chance of getting it right. But we really don't know. And that's okay. I'm not suggesting we need to search for a different day. Uh, but I, I love to look into it just for a moment of why we potentially selected December 25th, especially this year. What I know is about 300 years after Jesus was born, a number of church leaders got together and said, we need a day, one day, uh, to, to really celebrate and make it a big part of our uh, culture, a big part of our religious uh, uh, regular calendar to celebrate the birth of Jesus, him coming to be born in the flesh, born of a virgin, to be raised to, to a man, to live a perfect life. There, there needs to be one day, so they selected this day. I'm sure there were a lot of things that went into it, but one of the things that is noted by most historians is they picked a day within the week of the coldest, the darkest, the most dreary week of the entire year, the middle of winter solstice. They chose Jesus, his, his birthday celebration, for a number of reasons, but, but for this, that his light and his love and his life came into the world at some of the darkest times, one of the coldest moments of the year. I find that very fitting for today, December 23rd, 2022. It's a cold time. It's a dark time. Bad news is surrounding us. Uh, there was a, a winter storm. There, there were things of distraction. I know there's families that have health problems. There's families that have relational problems. Uh, there's financial uh, problems around a lot of our lives. And yet Jesus, again and again and again, every year, every day, is reminded he came into that dark world to give us hope and light. There's more likely other factors that help them select December 25th. But this idea of light coming into the darkest part of the year fits what John says in John 1. Listen to John chapter 1, verse 4. His life. He's talking about Jesus. Right at the beginning. 
his life brought light to everyone. Everyone. His life has the potential to bring light to you, each and every one of you. It says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. It can never be overcome. That's a huge part of the Christmas tradition that we'll experience in just a minute. We will share a, a, a light, a visual light, throughout the, wor- uh, throughout the room through a flame. But the real purpose of Christmas was that God's light in the form of Jesus and his spirit in his life came to, to light the entire world, not just tonight, but every day of your life. Don't miss this. Please don't. This is really the point. If we're not careful, a tradition can be to come to this moment and light our candles and have this feel-good moment with family and friends. And then we'll extinguish and go on. But that's not what happens with Jesus. When his light enters into our life, it's not only a feel-good moment for a short time. His light enters into our life forever, and it cannot be extinguished. When you go out into the cold, dark world, when you're faced with the trials of life, his light will um, conquer all. No one can take it away. And if you're honest with yourselves, some of you have been living in darkness for a while, maybe far too long. I believe God has designed tonight not only to encourage you, to remind you of what's important, but to remind you that he has offered Jesus to you. He is offering real life, real hope, real, real joy, real peace that can come through Jesus. I think there's at least one person thinking this right now, my opinion. I've been praying this, that at least one person each service this, this season would say, is Tyson talking to me here about this idea that I need the light of Jesus? And if you're thinking that, you know what? I am. 100% I am. I've been praying for you. I, I am wanting you to know if, if you have, have been struggling with living in this dark world, if, if you have been overwhelmed uh, by this world and your faith is fading, I am speaking to you. His light is for your life forever and it can never be extinguished. You might say, well, Tyson, you don't know my life right now. It's too difficult. It's so dark. Nothing can make a difference. That's the way it feels. I'm so full of fear and frustration. My faith has been falling apart. If that's how you feel right now, I'm not surprised because our world is dark. It's cold. It's brutal. Don't be surprised if that's how you feel. But the facts are what Jesus came to do is to give you light and life and hope forever. You're not alone if you feel that way. I think some of the the people on that first Christmas felt that way. I hope you heard, I mean really heard the the words to the first song that Chrissy sang that represented the, the struggle that Mary had. Uh, we saw uh, Mary uh, give uh, a great testimony. That was from the Gospel of Luke, the words that Mary spoke tonight uh, about the reality that she was going to be faithful. She, she was the Lord's servant. But there was also this truth uh, that Mary said just before that. She says, Lord, how can this be? Mary had questions. She had concerns. And yes, she stepped forward in great faith. But it was a struggle from the beginning because she was human. And yet God worked in her in a miraculous way. She would have had concerns and questions. That first night when Jesus was born, she had a labor of love. She had a longing to know more about the future, and yet she was faithful. I believe Joseph would have had great fears and frustrations. The commitment that they placed their faith in God was huge, but it wasn't a peaceful night. It wasn't a silent night. There was a labor of love that took place with great pain. You can see it in the text. Look with me to Luke chapter 2. as It will be on the screen. This is a record, a record of the first night. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree 
that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Cornarius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, in Judea, in Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Can you imagine the not silence of this night? Here he is traveling this long distance that Dee talked about already. It it wasn't easy. There was nothing simple about it. And he was there to to kind of uh, register with the government to, to be in line to pay taxes. This was not good at all. And he was engaged to this woman, and yet she was about ready to have a baby. Nine months pregnant and maybe beyond. Can you imagine the the non-silence of the rumors and the ridicule, the stress for this young couple? Of this moment where they show up in this town where they didn't know anyone, they couldn't find a place for her to even have this baby. Listen to what it says next in verse 6. And while they were there, The time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Think about this. We we think it it was a peaceful night. Uh, She laid him among animals in, in their feeding trough. In that same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. That dark night when the angel showed up, uh, fear was their first feeling. You, you may have fear right now. I want to remind you of this good news the angel said the, the very first night. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which is for all people. If you have fear tonight, that's my message for you. God has good news of great joy, which is for you. Here's why. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Don't miss this. In this dark night where the shepherds are out in the middle of nowhere, uh, uh, being a people that no one really wanted to deal with, they, they were stinky. Uh, Mary and Joseph probably had people uh, turning their backs on them because they were an engaged couple who was giving birth. The angel showed up and said, I have good news of great joy, which is for all people. After hundreds and hundreds of years of the waiting for the Messiah, it was announced he was here. After days and days and days of... Roman ridicule and oppression, there was good news that a king had been born. Man, they were ready for that good news. It was great joy for all people. I wonder if you're ready for some good news. Have you noticed that most news that we receive today is bad? I mean, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Some of you, even since you've been in the room tonight, you've received a notification on your phone or or your your, uh, smartwatch, and 90% of the time, notifications that we get from a news outlet is related to some bad news. It has some bad news bias. Some of you are like, did I miss some bad news? And you're checking your phone now. Don't just wait, okay? I don't, even have, I don't think there's any bad news coming out. There's not another uh, major storm coming through. There, there's no uh, new disease that has been announced today. I know of no bad news. But yet, we want to know. Our minds and our bodies are geared to want to be very aware of danger and bad things. So what we do, if we're not careful... We can be consumed by bad news. And news outlets know this. If they want our viewership, what they're going to do is keep feeding us the things that our bodies naturally want. Protection from what's bad. So we look at it and we look at it and we look at it. It's almost the point we can't stop. 
We get to the point where it's like a train wreck. You can't look away. Have you ever watched a dumpster fire? They're pretty cool, okay? And they know they want to feed us those things. So much so, it's become a new phenomenon in American culture. It's a word that is probably going to show up in our dictionary maybe as soon as next year. It's called doom scrolling. Has anybody ever heard of that? I had not. Doom scrolling is a new word that is about ready to be a part of our normal vocabulary. I don't know if you'll ever say it. Hopefully, I never say it again. But doom scrolling is this: an, exce- an excessively uh, to excessively scroll through bad news on the internet or social media. Does anybody have a confession to make tonight? Okay. It's this tendency to continue to scroll through bad news, flip through the channels to watch the, the bad story on the next station, the next station, to find out more. No matter how sad, no matter how depressing, no matter how disheartening it is, we just keep looking and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and we can't stop. That's a big part of our culture today for people. And if you suffer from that, I don't have to tell you how dark this world is. But what I need to warn you, you may not be surprised this, it's bad for mental health, it's bad for relationships. If you have never even scrolled through the internet even one time, I don't have to tell you our world is a dark place. And we are ready for some good news. That our Savior has been born. And it's good news of great joy for all people. That's the message of Christmas. But if we get caught up, and I need to be very careful about this, we all do. If we get caught up in the modern American Christmas tradition, we miss the real good news. Because the good news of Jesus is it's for all people no matter where they're at. Uh, the, the modern message of American Christmas is if we're good enough, then we can get good things. We have exchanged the great news of good news and great joy for all people that, that God sent his son to, to die for us to this in Christmas. If you're good enough, then maybe you'll get something good. That's what Christmas is about. We've exchanged that message. If you're good enough, then you'll get a good gift. That's why the elves are there to watch. This week I came across some notes that kind of express this. They're kind of interesting notes. Uh, I, I can remember a time when I would write a note to Santa telling him what I wanted, and you'd kind of explain maybe the rationale of why you uh, should be able to get this good gift. Here's three examples of this idea that if we're good enough, then we'll get something good. This first one is from Aiden. Dear Santa... I have been good for 100,006 years. That's the way he starts this off with. He's probably six years old. I don't know. I have, found, I have uh, been helping my mom cook. I've been picking up my dad's stuff that he leaves around the house. And I want a brand new Mario game for Christmas, and my little sister wants a doll or something. Thank you, Aiden. Okay? He's been good for a long time. Or how about this one from Sammy? Dear Santa... I've been good for three years. A little bit more realistic. That's a long time to be good, though, by the way. I would like to have a scooter for Christmas. If you come to my house, I'll leave you and the reindeer a present. Merry Christmas, Sammy. See, there's this idea. She's been good for a while, and she's going to do something to get something good. That is not the gospel. Or how about this one? Dear Santa, I've been good for 10 days. That sounds a little bit more like my life. That's a stretch, too, by the way. And my brother, Tim, he's been good for one, and we both want bikes. Love, Bill. I've never even been good for 10 days, guys. I've got to confess. And the, re- the, the, re- the reality is that is not the gospel, that we don't have to be good for our lives. We don't even have to be good for a time. But the great news is that God sent his son Jesus so that we could be saved. 
It's not just about being good. It's about placing our hope in Jesus, that he is the only one that's truly been good, and he gave his life so that we could live. You see what the Word of God says in Galatians chapter 4. You see the Christmas story. Look what it says. When the right time came, it was maybe December 25th, wherever it was, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman. When was that right time? After we got our ducks in the row, after we had written all of our letters displaying how good we'd been? No, the right time was this, while we were still sinners and helpless. Look what it says in Romans 8. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for, our, for us sinners. Now, most people will be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for an especially good but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. We don't have to say how long we've been good. We don't have to say the things we have done to, to earn anything. But God's word is declaring here that at right time when we couldn't help ourselves, Jesus died for us. God sent his son to be the living sacrifice, the, the sacrifice on the cross so we could live while we were still sinners, that's the good news of great joy. Jesus came to save us, not because we deserved it, because of his love. He loves you. It's not, in the, it's not in the notes right now. Whether you're listening on the radio, this is the message going on the radio. If you're listening on the radio, you're in the seat right now. God loves you enough to send his son. And you might be thinking, man, I don't deserve it. No, you don't. But that's the good news of great joy that he sent it anyways. Instead of giving a note to Santa, I would ask you to make a confession to God. And it might sound like this. It's going to be up here. I would like you to adopt it to however your heart feels. But instead of saying, dear Santa, cry out to God and say, dear God, I have sinned and I'm not worthy of your grace. I know I've not been good and I praise you for sending your perfect son to save me from my sins. Thank you for giving me the gift of eternal life through Jesus. Thank you. When we realize that I can't earn it, when we realize that we don't deserve it, when we realize there's no way I can get there on my own, that's when the Christmas story and, and what God has done for us through Jesus really becomes great joy for all people. It's for you. This Christmas, while, while I pray that you have a blessed meal with your family, that, that you are, are safe as you travel, and you exchange gifts, and, and there's a, a renewed uh, focus on others instead of yourself, I really pray that you would know the great joy of receiving the gift of eternal life, and you didn't deserve a thing, because that's how much God loves you. That reality, that I can't earn it, that I don't deserve it, began to flow through a gift to me back in 1987. I was 10 that year, and something amazing happened that year in my life. The Nintendo Entertainment System was released, okay? It was released in February. I didn't know anything about it until like October. Uh, my brother and I's friends got one, and we were over at his house, and we were amazed. Th this was such a colorful uh, video game system. Uh, the, the, the games didn't just stay in one page. They, they moved across the screen, often left to right. Uh, they, they were high def. At least we thought they were high def. You know, they, they had uh, vivid lines, and we were just amazed at this. We found out you could buy them at Walmart. We'd go to Walmart about once a month. It was about 40 miles from our house, or about 40 minutes. And we went there one day with my mom, and right before Thanksgiving, late fall, 
We said, Mom, we heard about this. We want to show you. And she kind of played it off. She's like, we don't have time today. And I was disappointed. I was like, Mom, this is what we want for Christmas. She goes, we don't have time to look at it. But my brother and I went while she was doing the, the other shopping. We went to the electronic section. Anyone my age, around my age, know how cool it was to go to the electronic section at Walmart back in the day? Can you relate to that? You'd look at those cassettes and... And what about the posters? You know, they were right around that area. You'd look at the jam boxes or whatever. We went back and we saw the Nintendo for the first time. We were blown away. But I was also disappointed with mom because she didn't say we had time to show it to her. Went to Walmart one other time between then and Christmas that year, right after Thanksgiving. My brother and I went right back to see the Nintendo. We played it for a little bit on display. And there was only a few game systems left to buy. And we were like, Mom, this is what we want for Christmas. This is the only thing we want. And, and there's only a couple left. She goes, we're not going to look at it, boys. We're not. And I was frustrated. This is what we want. This is what we need, Mom, for Christmas. And we left there, and I was devastated. I knew I would never get a Nintendo. Well, that Christmas morning, after a, a display probably a week before, I told Mom that I was very upset that she would never go look at that Nintendo for my brother and I, that morning after we opened our stockings and shared the Christmas story, she handed my brother and I a gift, and it was the original Nintendo Entertainment System. And I was in shock because I knew I could never earn it on my own. And I knew that I didn't deserve it at all because I had been rude and mean to my mom about her lack of interest in what I thought. And yet I realized in my position where I couldn't earn it, I didn't deserve it, she chose to give it to me anyways out of love, out of display of her desire for me to have joy. And in that moment, I had more joy, uh, the, the, not just because I had Nintendo, I had more joy that my mom had grace for my stupidity and my arrogance and my rudeness to her that she still saw through that to give me something that would be a blessing. Guys, in that way, and about a million times more, that's what God has done for each one of us in our arrogance, in our rudeness, when we come before him and we think we have it all figured out and we're, we're frustrated that he doesn't do things on our time. At just the right time, he sent Jesus to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life, and to die on the cross so we could live. That's what Christmas is about. So tonight, we're going to sing... Two more songs. One is going to be Joy to the World. And as I asked the choir to come to sing Joy to the World, I, I want you to consider not just this typical Joy to the World that's traditional. That is for other people and for occasions like this. The joy to the world that we're singing starts with us that God loved us enough to send his son to die for you and I. And his joy is for all people. Would you stand with me as I pray? Father in heaven... I thank you for today, and I thank you for the joy that you give us that comes from Jesus, that, that perfect joy that isn't because we've earned it. It isn't because that we're good. It is because you love us. Lord, help us to have that joy that is contagious to others, that as we go from this place, that more and more people would be drawn to the truth that at just the right time, you gave your son to live, to be sacrificed, and to come back to life so that we could be with you forever in heaven and have the joy that you can only, that you can only supply. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
You may be seated. I praise God for the joy we have. We have so many things to be joyful about. One of the things that I just want to celebrate is that you are here tonight on one of the coldest, darkest days of the year. I praise God for that. And this Sunday, while a lot of churches are deciding, hey, Sunday's complicated when it's Christmas and we're just going to stay home, I want to invite you to joyfully celebrate the birth of Jesus this Sunday at 10 a.m. It is not going to happen again, that is Christmas, on a Sunday morning for 11 years. So let's take the opportunity to worship and give glory to God this Sunday at 10 a.m. Invite a friend. Uh, It's going to be a great time. We want to share that joy with you as you leave here today with your family uh, through another ornament. This is the third year we've done this. This is an ornament focused on the reminder of joy and uh, take one per family. If you've got a family member that you know can't be here because it's cold, uh, take that to them sometime this weekend as well and remind them of the joy we have in Jesus. There's one other thing that is super important for us to to get on the same page with um, this upcoming year. In 2023, we're going to be on a quest to get closer to Jesus. And this is a book uh, written written by Mark Moore. He's the same author that did our uh, Core 52 that we did two years ago. And so this is going to be a guide to help us through some sermons, uh, some Sunday school lessons, and some small groups. And most importantly, your uh, regular uh, study of God's Word on on every week. So pick one of these up on the way out. Uh, Pick one up also for a friend. It's going to be a blessing. I really believe it. Now we come to the, the time of the service where... We get to share the light that has been shared with us. I would ask you to go ahead and secure your candle. In just a moment, we're going to be sharing this light. At the beginning of the night, that very first song about Mary, it it exposed the reality that the first night was not silent. And I, I totally agree with that scripturally. It was chaos. They couldn't find a room. They end up in a a stable with animals. In a place they didn't know, around people that were probably whispering about them, later on with shepherds. But what was done that night gives us the ability to have a silent night tonight. Now maybe the world is still providing great distraction and darkness around you. Bad news may still creep in. You may learn tonight of some tragedy or some hardship. You may uh, find out that your heart is broken, but I know that through Jesus and the joy he gives, we can have a silent night in this sense, no matter what happens. That when his light enters into our life and his peace comes into our hearts, it cannot be overcome. Scripture says that. That while the world will try to extinguish our efforts and our good attitudes within us, the light of Jesus is perfect. And it is eternal. And he gives that to each of us who follow him. So tonight, if you're a believer of Jesus Christ and you share this light, know that as this light comes symbolically to you, the light of Jesus is in you and it cannot be overcome. Amen? So would you stand with me? Let's prepare to sing. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for the light that you give us in Jesus. Thank you that the word of God has made it clear, your word, that as this light comes into our lives, it cannot be overcome, it cannot be extinguished, it cannot be taken away. Father, we live in a dark world. Father, as we begin to stand in this dark room, let it be a reminder that you came to this world in the darkest of times to provide the greatest hope, the greatest light through Jesus. In your son's name we pray, amen.
Merry Christmas, Brian. Let's just stand here in silence for a moment and know that as we receive the light of Jesus, the eternal life that he gives, it cannot be overcome, it cannot be taken away. Fathers, we stand together very blessed within this Christmas tradition. Let us hold on much more to just these candles and the light that is physically before us in our vision, but let us hold on to the light that Jesus gives that can never be taken away. The warmth that he gives that, that can never be overcome. Father, we live in a dark world, a, a cold world, but it is not stand up against the love of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for his love, and as we leave this place tonight, let us be encouraged and share that love with others. In Jesus' name, amen. As you extinguish your candles, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas.
And as you go from this place, please return the candles to um, one of the cans in the, one of the foyers. And just pray that you have a safe and blessed Christmas. God bless you. Merry Christmas.